So last Sunday, we began a new sermon series, and it is titled The Heroes of Hebrews 11. Uh, and basically, the, the chapter 11 of Hebrews is this list of people and some of their accomplishments and what they did for God. It says, by faith, by faith. And we look at that, and it's like this all-star roster, this, this sort of hall of fame of people who lived by faith. And so each week in the month of November, we're going to look at one of these characters in the Bible who lived by faith. And so this morning, we're going to have a look at a character, a man named Gideon from the Old Testament. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what you have taught me through this um, story already. And God, I pray that what you've taught me, that I'll be able to share a little bit with folks who are watching and listening today of what you've taught me. But more importantly, God, I pray that you would teach people what you want them to see and understand in the story of Gideon and his faith and how God brought him from where he was uh, to where he became a man who really lived out his faith. Help us, Lord, to see ourselves in this story. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to start in Hebrews uh, chapter 11. Uh, and so Hebrews 11 is where we have this faith hall of fame. And so it says this, this is verse 32. It says, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign enemies to flight. And, you know, you read that list of David and Samuel and, and um, Gideon and Samson, and you look and say, those were people who were incredible men of faith. I mean, you, you look at David, and you go, man, this was a guy who slew Goliath when he was just a boy. And you look at his life, and he wrote all of the Psalms in here, just absolutely beautiful, poetic descriptions of who God is. And he was the greatest king over Israel. He's the man that has said he was a man after God's own you look at that and say, that's amazing. You look at Samuel, and Samuel was a prophet. He spoke the words of God to the people of Israel, and he appointed and anointed kings. Just incredible. And then Gideon is in this list, and he did some things that are memorable, but probably the thing he did that is most memorable, his kind of biggest by faith thing, is he was leading the people of Israel against the Midianites. And basically what happened is that there were 135,000 Midianites uh, and there were only 32,000 Israelites. And God said to Gideon, said, that's too many people. He said, if, if some of your armies are afraid, then, then tell them to leave. And so 22,000 of them left. And now they're just 10,000 Israelites against 135,000 Midianites. And again, God says, that's too many Israelites. We need to whittle this down. And so he says, everybody go drink out of this stream. And so Gideon says, everybody go drink out of the stream. And some people drank and they kind of dipped their hands in the water and they, and they drank like this out of their hands. And then others, you know, went down with their mouth and drank directly from the water. And so uh, what God says, he says, anybody who lapped the water from their hands, who drank the water from their hands, go ahead and send them home. Well, that's pretty much how everybody drinks, right, from a stream. But there are 300 sort of oddballs who drank directly from the water, lapped it from their tongue from the water. And he says, you guys stay and you're going to fight the Midianites, 135,000 of them. 
And so then God concocts this plan and tells Gideon, and it's this, you can read it for yourself in the book of Judges, but basically it involves like kind of darkness and lanterns and trumpets. They blow the trumpets, they break the lanterns, and then the Midianites all turn on each other and Israel wins the fight, wins the battle. And I tell you that story because that is what Gideon did. Now you hear the Gideon story, you hear Samuel, you hear Samson, you hear these, and you say, I could never do what they did. I don't have enough faith. I'm not gifted enough. I can't hear from God the way that they heard from God to be able to do the things that they do. You know, or maybe you look around and you see people in your life who are people of great faith. And I think about the, the family uh, who was in the Dollar Club video and say, man, I don't have that kind of faith. I could never do that. Or someone who leads a Bible study, you're like, man, that's, I could never do that. Or somebody who works with people who are just difficult, you know, it could be the homeless population or special needs or just people who take extra patients, teenagers, whatever it is, you say, I could never do that, right? Or maybe you look at somebody who, who leaves a full-time paying job for a job in ministry, takes a huge pay, you say, I could never do that. And we look around and we have that same feeling sometimes we look at other people that we have when we look at these heroes of the faith. I could never do that. I don't have enough faith. I'm not gifted enough. I don't know that I can even hear from God in a way that would have me do those types of things. Well, this morning, we're going to talk about how do we respond to that? If you've ever felt like that, and it could be because you want, you need to persevere through something, you're trying to figure that out, or it could be there's something that God has for you, and you're like, I, I could never do that. But here's the thing. You can't, but God can. And God can do it not because of you, but because of him. And that's what Gideon learned over some months in his life about how he was able to do what he was able to do. There's a great verse. This is back from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 34. And it says this. It says, they, speaking about Gideon, Barak, Samson, David, Samuel, they were made strong out of weakness. They were made strong out of weakness. And that's what God does. He takes the weak and he makes them strong. So the bottom line that we're going to hit this morning is that, is that God makes the weak strong. Maybe write that down somewhere. Type that in somewhere. Remember that. God makes the weak strong. And so I already told you about the incredible thing that that Gideon did with the 300 against the 135,000. But what we're going to look at this morning is what comes before this. Because what we're going to see is that Gideon was actually very weak in what he did. He had a lot of weaknesses, and we're going to look at some of those weaknesses this morning. And what we're going to find is that he was a lot like us, or maybe we are a lot like him, because we know that we have these weaknesses, but yet in our weaknesses, God can make us strong because of what he does. Now, this is the book of Judges. We're going to be in chapter 6, if you want to turn your Bible there or scroll there. And this is in the book of Judges, and basically Israel is at this point in time where they, uh, the phrase that you see throughout the book of Judges is, each of them did what was right in his own eyes. Each person did what was right in his own eyes. So they did like, this is what I think is right, so I'm going to do it. I don't care what God thinks. I don't care what it does to my fellow man. I'm going to do what I think is right. 
And because they had this mentality of basically shirking God, of ignoring God, uh, God said, you know what, I'm going to allow you to be conquered by this people called the Midianites. And so that's where we pick up in verse in chapter 6. It says, The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And so that time is coming to the end, and so God now is going to raise up Gideon to basically push off or get rid of the Midianites who have conquered the land of Israel. And so we find the first mention of Gideon in chapter 6, verse 11. And it says this, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat underneath the terebinth of Orphar, Ophrah, not easy to say, which belonged to Joash, the Abazite, Abazarite, tough words here, while his son Gideon, that's who we're listening for, was beating out the wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Now, we learn a little something about Gideon right here, that when he was, he was threshing wheat, so you take a stalk of wheat, you hit it on the ground, and then the wind will carry the chaff away, and then what's left on the blanket or on the ground are the kernels of wheat. And so you typically do that on a hillside where the wind blows, uh, but we find that what Gideon is doing is he's doing it in a wine press. And a wine press, uh, and you can Google search this, it's kind of cool, but it's basically, it was this big pit in the ground, maybe 10, 12 feet across, maybe four or five feet deep. And he's doing it there, which doesn't make any sense because the wind doesn't blow there. But he did that because he was afraid of the Midianites. He was afraid that they would see him threshing the wheat and they would come and take his wheat or that type of thing. And so he's doing it under the kind of cover of this wine press. And so we think about Gideon, and he was this guy, 300 men leading against 135,000. That's not the kind of guy that's fearful. You think that he'd be the guy at the top of the hill who goes, come on, Midianites, bring it on. But he wasn't. You know, I think back to my son Riley. Uh, when he was about three or four years old, we were at uh, an ocean, and there were all these waves coming in. And he went and stood out in the waves, and he was, you know, about this high. And he'd go, come on, big waves, come on, big waves. And they would knock him down. He'd get up and say, come on, big waves. And he loved it. That was not Gideon. Gideon was not saying, come on, Midianites. He was down in a wine press hiding from them. So then it says this, verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all the wonderful deeds that our fathers recount to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. You know, he calls me, he says, you're a man of valor. But that's not the way that Gideon felt about himself. It's almost like God saw who he would become. He believed something that Gideon would become before Gideon even saw that himself. But, you know, he was really more like Eeyore. Eeyore, you know, Eeyore from the Winnie the Pooh was like, oh, things are terrible. It could get worse, but I can't see how. You know, he's got that kind of, oh, it used to be good when, you know, remember what God used to do, but God's doing nothing now. And he had this fear in him. So here's the first weakness that we see in Gideon. Gideon was a pessimist. He was a pessimist. He's like, God is not doing anything now. I'm not sure that God can do anything. And he had that kind of pessimism about himself. And then here's God's response in verse 14. 
says, And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. So again, he says, you have this might. God saw him when he didn't see himself that way. And God sees you for the potential that you have as well. But he says, go, go. And you know, when God says go, Gideon should have gone. Like that's the only, it doesn't matter. Like I'm not gifted enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. I haven't trained enough. I, I, we can have all the excuses in the world. But if God says go, the response should be, well, then go. And it continues in verse 15. And he said to him, so this is Gideon responding to God saying go. And he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. So he looks at what his situation. He goes, you know what? I'm kind of nothing. And so that's his next weakness is Gideon was below average. He looked around. He was in the tribe of Manasseh, which is not a big deal tribe. He said, my clan is the weakest of the clans of the tribe of Manasseh. And I'm in the weakest, or I'm the least in my own family. I'm not the guy. And I think sometimes that's the way that we feel. Like, I'm, I'm not the guy. I'm not the woman. I'm not the gal. I'm, I'm the weakest. I'm not gifted. I'm not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. And that's the way that we feel. We feel like we're below average. And Gideon was below average. But here's God's response to this. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. He says, I will be with you. If God says go and God says, I will be with you, that trumps everything else. Nothing else really matters. And so if God says go and God says, I'll be with you, then nothing else really matters. But Gideon is not there yet. Continuing on in verse 17. And he said to him, if I now, excuse me, and he said to him, if now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. And so Gideon says, I need a sign from you, God, that it's you that's actually speaking. And so then Gideon goes inside of his house and he comes out and he brings a lamb. And he puts this lamb on a rock, a slaughtered lamb, and then he brings out some, some flour, some kind of unleavened cakes, and he puts that on the rock too. And then here's what God does. This is verse 21. It says, Then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened cakes, and fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes. I mean, could you imagine that, that there's Gideon, he's looking at this, there's a lamb on a rock, and there's and then this fire comes like, <gasps> it's this like lamb barbecue right there in front of him. And we look at that and say, man, that was really cool, and it definitely was cool. But you know what? It was actually a weakness of Gideon's because Gideon needed a sign. God already said, go. God already said, I'm with you. But Gideon was like, I still need a sign. And so that was the sign. Then it continues on in verse 25. And now Gideon will kind of do his first type of thing. It says, That night the Lord said to him, Take your father's bull and the second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the Asherah that is beside it. So what was going on here is that the people of Israel, they worshiped the Lord, but then they also worshiped 
Baal, and they also worshiped Asherah. It's not like they just ignored God completely. They said, well, let's kind of cover our bases and worship a lot of different things, kind of like people will do today. Like, I'm going to worship God and money, God and fame, God and not the point of the story, but that's what they were doing. And so what God says is, he says, I want you to go and take a bull, and I want you to pull down the altar to Baal, and then I want you to pull down the Asherah pole, and then he says, uh, you're going to take the Asherah pole, and you're going to burn it, and you're going to burn a sacrifice to God, to me, to Yahweh. And so here's what happens. This is verse 27. It says, so Gideon took 10 of his men, so Gideon took 10 men of his servants and did as the Lord had told him. And you go, that's awesome. He finally did what God wanted him to do. He pulled down the, the, um, the Asher pole. He pulled down the altar to Baal. And we say, oh, yeah, that's great. But listen to what it says next. So it says, so Gideon took 10 of his men, servants, and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was too afraid of his family, and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. Now, again, did he do part of it? Yeah. Can we celebrate that? Yeah. But we see again his weakness is that God, excuse me, as that as God was working on Gideon, Gideon was weak. Gideon was, in this case, fearful. That's the fourth weakness that we see with him. And, you know, and I think again, that's a lot like us, that we have these weaknesses and he was fearful and maybe that's one of your weaknesses that you are fearful as well and so now it comes time to drive the the Midianites out this is kind of his big charge from God and we pick up in verse 36 it says this then Gideon excuse me then Gideon said to God if you will save Israel by my hand as you have said, behold, I am laying a fleece of wool by the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece alone and is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand as you have said. And it was so when he rose early in the morning and squeezed the fleece, he wrung out the dew from the fleece to fill a bowl with water. And so Gideon says, God, I need another sign. Like, I know you did the barbecue sign with the lamb, but I need another sign. So when I wake up tomorrow morning, if you could make the fleece, basically a wool thing they put out, if you could make that wet with dew, but the ground around it, make that dry, then I will believe you. So he gets up, he goes out, he takes the fleece in the morning, and he rings it out in a bowl. He says, yep, that's the way it is. God, that was a sign. But that's not what he does. He turned it around. Verse 39. So number five is God needed another sign. Excuse me, Gideon needed another sign. And then verse 39 says this. Then Gideon said to God, let not your anger burn against me. Let me speak just once more. Please let me test just once more with the fleece. Please let it be dry on the fleece only and on the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night, and it was dry on the fleece only, and on all the ground there was dew. Do you see what happens here? The first sign isn't enough. So he says, God, would you reverse it? And so God reverses it. And this time, the fleece is dry, and the 
grass all around is wet with dew. You see, the sixth weakness that we see here of Gideon is Gideon needed another, another sign. It was a third sign that he needed from God. So where does this leave us? Where does this leave us? So we looked at six of Gideon's weaknesses. He was a pessimist. He was below average. He needed a sign. He was fearful. He needed another sign. He needed another, another sign. But yet, he ended up in the Faith Hall of Fame. Somebody that the author of Hebrews talked about and said, this man is a, has a faith that's to be imitated. Why? Because God makes the weak strong. It wasn't about Gideon. It was about God. God makes the weak strong. You know, and, and we could fault Gideon for not getting it sooner we could fault Gideon for, for not having believed it on the first sign. We could fault Gideon for saying, well, God said, I'm with you and, and go. And we could fault him for that. Or we could look at this and say, you know what? This is about what God does in a weak person. And this is what God did in Gideon. And so we look at this and we bring this back to ourselves. And we look at and we say this. We can look at our own lives. And I encourage you to do this, to look in the mirror and say, what are my weaknesses? You know, Gideon was, Gideon was, Gideon was. What are your weaknesses? You know, I would look at this and I could say, Matt was a doubter. Matt was afraid. Matt thought too much of what other people thought of him. Those would go in my weaknesses blank. What would go in yours? You got to figure it out for yourself. But while our weaknesses go in that blank, our name also goes in what we read in the book of Hebrews and where it says, they were made strong out of weakness. And we can put our name there. I can put my name there and say, Matt was made strong out of weakness. John was made strong out of weakness. Sarah was made strong out of of weakness. And whatever your name is, fill that in because God can make you strong out of whatever weaknesses you have because it's not about you. It's about God and Him working in your life and Him working through your life. You know, I don't know what kind of battles you're facing today. I don't know what you need to persevere through. I don't know if God is calling you to some big thing, but here's what I do know, that whatever God is calling you to, he will be with you. And though you are weak, he is strong and he will accomplish what he wants to accomplish in you and through you because God makes the weak strong. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this passage. Thank you for this promise of what you do in our lives that you take those of us who are weak and you make us strong by what you do in and through our lives. God, would you allow us to live the way that Gideon lived in trusting you and leaning into you? And God, would you do that in our own lives, knowing that you take the weak and you make them strong? In Jesus' name, amen.